Fifty States of Terror may include descriptions and discussions unsuitable for young audiences. Episodes may contain adult themes, language, and content. Listener discretion is advised. You don't get to talk to me like that. You know that you were supposed to go let the cat in after dinner. Now I'm trying to put your brother down for bed, and all I can hear is her yowling in the alley. Go get her. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Kitty. Come on, where are you? There you are. Come here. Why couldn't mom just let you in? She was already downstairs and everything. Nope, I had to get dragged out of my room to bring you inside. Alright. Let's just bring you inside. Come on. What was that? Charlie, what is going on? Charlie, come here. Slowly. Get inside. Come on, let's go. What was that? Did you get a good look at it? I, I don't know. It just it just looked like a giant cat. It, it had spikes on its back, and it was maybe as tall as the trash can. I'm I'm not sure. It was too dark to tell. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, well the important thing is that you're safe. Just take your brother and go upstairs. I'm gonna call the police or animal controller. Somebody that can help us. This is California, the cactus cat. Hello, all of our fans. Yeah, I think we have enough listeners now. I think we can officially say that we have fans. And welcome back to 50 States of Terror. I am Anthony. And my name is Kaylee. And here we go into California. Yes, the Golden State. Now, it is kind of tempting to find a little tangent where we can talk about the the Golden State Killer, but I promise we're not going to do that right now, even though I think it's really interesting. But I think we found a really good cryptid, a very simple cryptid this time. It's it's not as complicated as some of the other ones we've covered. Yeah, and this one has a plethora of research available out there. Notice how I use a $10 word there? <laughs> plethora. A plethora. <laughs> There's definitely some steeping of some older references. We have some some really old books that we can find. This is kind of cross-referenced in different areas. So we are in California, so we are specifically talking about the Southwest U.S. Yes. 
And this is going to be in the desert. This is going to be like where the mesas are. We've got these desert valleys. Yeah. And um, when you have that type of terrain and you're talking about uh, what cryptids could be around or animals in general could be around, uh, this one takes a, a very direct desert characteristic and the cactus cat. It's probably one of my favorite ones uh, out of the cryptids, um, mainly because uh, I I tend to gravitate towards the feline animal aspect, you know, universe. Because my favorite animal in the world is an ocelot, and when you talk about the cactus cat in general, it is this cute, large creature that looks like a cactus. Okay, so let's get into the details of what it looks like. There have been some reports that are as small as just a household tabby. Yeah. They can be little. Right. But they can also be as large as a puma. Yes. So different areas call it different things. It could be a mountain lion, a puma, a cougar. We're not talking about the older women at the bar. We're just talking about the specific type of cat. (laughs) So... That is the the largest that it can be. So in our story, I definitely used some tiger and some lion growls. That was just for dramatic effect. It would actually be more of like a scream that you would hear from a puma. Yeah, and the story is really cool. Very well done. Thank you. I was very excited. We actually got to use our own homegrown cryptids for that one. Um, It featured our sons in the story this week. So those were our guest stars. They did a very good job. Yeah. So this one that I really, really like because it has an aspect to it that some other cryptids might not have, and it has a scientific name. It does. So we saw a couple different names. And I really don't know how scientific names get registered. Uh, me being a, me being used to be in, in the field of um, biology with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and now with the National Park Service... I don't really know how they come to the general conclusion and uh, acceptance of scientific names. I know this one. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. So that's going to be taxonomy. So taxonomy is the way that we name animals. So animals have different classifications. And so you're going to have the family, the genus, you're going to have all these different things that really break down and define what an animal is. And so you can break down by knowing the Latin name or knowing the scientific name. It's not always Latin. Um, By taking the scientific name, you can actually tell quite a bit about its skeletal structure, what type of animal it is. So I think it's interesting that there's two different versions of this one, because I really like the one that I found because it makes me laugh, but it's not very sciencey. So do they register this? So whenever someone discovers an animal and they can prove that they are the first one to discover it and they claim it. So think about when we are learning about all these dinosaurs with our toddler Some of them are named after people, because when these people discover it, they prove that this is an original find, they get to name it. So sometimes you'll see butterflies and birds that have the names of the scientist's wife is a a big example that I, I found consistently. Sometimes they name it after themselves, their best friends their dogs. Oh, okay. So sometimes you see really silly names and you're like, how did we get to that? They just needed something that was really individual to make that one distinct part to go in with the, the rest of the proper name. Okay, so there are two. The first one is Felis Cactaci. Cactaci? 
I'm assuming it's because it's the scientific name of a cactus. I'm not sure what the scientific name for cactus is. The one that I found was Cactophilinus inebrius. Ooh, that was a good one. Yes. Well, then, there, then there's three then, because I, I also found Cactati vepricula. Vepricula? Yeah. So we're noticing a theme. It's got cat and something to do with cactus yes. in there. Cats in general, as we know cats, domestic cats, those are going to be called Felis catus. So that is the most recently evolved species in the Philidae family. Philidae, that's going to be your felines. So Philidae is cat in general. So that's been broken into three genres, and that's the Panthera, the Asenonyx, and the Felis. Felis being the small cats, the Asenonyx being like cheetahs, and Panthera, that's going to be anything that roars. So these ones really break up based on some of their physical characteristics on how they make sounds or how their spine moves and how large they are. I thought you were going to make a reference of uh, uh, Thundercats. Panthro. To be honest, I've never seen Thundercats. <gasps> what? <laughs> I mean, I get, I get, I, I did, but I was too young. I don't remember. So I just, I, I know some general references. I love that cartoon. Well, you're a little bit older than me, honey. Yeah. I immediately gravitate towards the, the scientific, like, quote unquote, reality of this. Because what happens in my, in my mind, in my head, is that somebody saw it or discovered it, quote unquote, and then went as far as to give it a scientific name. Mm-hmm. So the first sighting was in a book that you found. I did find a book that was written in 1910. It's called Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods with a Few Desert and Mountain Beasts. And it was written by William T. Cox and Coert Dubois. And they describe the cactus cat as such. They say, The cactus cat, as the name signifies, lives in the great cactus districts. It's particularly abundant between Prescott and Tucson, it has been reported also from the valley of the lower Yaqui in Old Mexico and the chala-covered hills of the Yucatan. The cactus cat has thorny hair, the thorns being especially long and rigid on its ears. Its tail is branched, and upon the forearms above its front feet are sharp, knife-like blades of bone. With these blades, it slashes through the giant cactus trees, causing the sap to exude. This is done systematically, many trees being slashed in the course of several nights, as the cat makes a big circuit. By the time it's back to the place of beginning, the sap of the first cactus has fermented into a kind of mezcal, sweet and very intoxicating. This is greedily lapped up by the thirsty beast, which soon becomes fiddling drunk and goes waltzing off in the moonlight, rasping its bony forearms across each other and screaming with delight. So this is what I love about this. Every single research material that I have found, you have found, Describes it the same exact way. There's no deviation. It just likes to get drunk. Yeah. But the way it looks. Yes. The, the way it behaves. What it does to the cactus. What it does after. How it drinks. The reason why it gets drunk is every single research material has the same exact description. Now, I want to go ahead and point out, while we're on this note, that the name that this book specifically has given the cactus cat, that is the Cactophilinus inebrius, the name literally is Cactus Cat Drunk. Yeah. It's the Drunk Cactus Cat. That is what we named it. I feel like at some point in my life, we 
probably could have named me like Kaylee Diaz inebrius. Like that's just it is is what it is, and I think it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> what also is interesting about the cactus cat is this is the first one that uh, I have encountered on this uh, podcast research. And the research I've done for the, my for my book is that there are some materials. Uh, the book that I use as one of the references is the Compendium of the North American Cryptid and Magical Creatures. And it is a book that has roughly a hundred different cryptids in it. And it goes down to behavior. It goes down to um, social behavior also. And there's also a couple of more research material that I found that also dives into the relationships. And the cactus cat has one mate. It mates with one creature, one other cactus cat, and that's his soulmate. That's that's the the mate that it, it will die with. Another thing that it does is the mating habits. Normally, the males will try to win the affection of the females. Mm-hmm. This is opposite. The females try to win the affection of the males. The females will go into um, a a battle of sorts and will fight to the death to to win the affection of one male cactus cat I, and will mate for life. I did see that they are social animals and they do mate for life. And then it says that they live to be about 20 to 30 years old. Yep. And that they do go to a cactus and they kind of hollow out this cactus and they wait for the two females to come up. And then they fight until one of them is the victor, whether that one female dies or or scatters away. But the thing that kind of confused me after that is, so then you have your winning female. You have your, your alpha female. She's one. They get to breed now. But they get drunk and they have kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... Th- that is the true American story right there is that they did, they got drunk, they had kids, <laughs> uh, but then their kittens are born blind right? and they have no spikes. Right. But I didn't see anything later. Do they develop those later or do we just have like, are, are they like mules? Do we just, are they, are they sterile? How do we get new cactus cats? Is that it? So I'm assuming when they have their young and their young are born, born with uh, blind and no spikes that uh, they obviously grow into into you know what they are okay. being, being spiky and everything. Um, so I'm assuming that these creatures, their young, would have to be uh, protected by their parents until they finally get their their uh, defensive okay uh, attributes. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what other cat does that. Most cats do that. Really? Yes. Well, think about um, lions. Lions rear their young until they're adults, pretty much. Male lions will even pretend to be hurt by his cubs when his cubs, like, come up and chew on his face and stuff. Oh, right. They're very nurturing. Like, cats... I know when we think of cats, we're like, oh, cats, like, they they don't like people. They don't need anyone. They don't need anything. They're they're really low-maintenance pet. But they will, like, nurse their young. They will keep their young around and... Anthony, I know you're... Anthony is very allergic to cats, so let's go ahead and get that out of the way. I am kind of more of a cat person. Anthony cannot have cats. So we have different experience when it comes to to cat ownership. I grew up on a farm where we had a lot of barn cats, and those barn cats, their young would stick around forever. 
So we would have a lot of folks that would dump animals out in the country and they would end up at our, our house, which we affectionately occasionally referred to as a funny farm. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So let's talk about different attributes that the cactus cat has that specifically make it so suited for the desert. So we know that it looks like a cactus. So that's camouflage. It also has defenses towards other creatures that may be, you know, out to harm it or, or what, what have you. It has an immunity to scorpion venom. Okay, that would definitely be helpful. Yeah, and uh, also there are attributes that it takes because it is a cactus. The North American Cryptid Magical Creature book that I was talking about mm-hmm. had said that it can be without water for up to weeks uh, because it, it takes on the attribute of, of, of the cactus. And also what it does, it goes into the magical properties of what it could what it could do. Mm-hmm. So if you were to capture a cactus cat and if you were to gently slice its tail and secrete the the cactus juice from its tail, what it is is this very potent alcohol. And of like Of course it is. And one drop can get you extremely drunk. But what it goes into is that it has a magical hangover effect, and it's um, it allows you to be immune to someone else's spells okay. against you, and that was super fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. Now, if you are interested in learning about magic and different beliefs and things, all of that variety, we do have our mother podcast is called The Witching Hour. And we are part of the Housecraft Network. And they do a lot of that over there. So if that's the kind of lore and that's the kind of thing that you're really into, I would definitely suggest checking out Housecraft on Facebook or Instagram or The Witching Hour specifically. So that's the other podcast I work on as the mistress of lore over there. So now we did look into some of the evolution of domestic cats in general, because as these people are identifying this animal out in the middle of nowhere. This is when the cowboys are going west. That's when these stories are starting to happen. Yep. So we decided to look back a little bit further. We may not have stories older than 1910, but we do have some information about cats. So with the history of cats, we think that cats all have the same original ancestor and that it's probably from Asia and lived about 10 to 12 million years ago. But there has been a huge expansion of the cat family in general. That's where we start to get into domestic cats versus cheetahs versus lions. Um, Anthony, you love ocelots. I just love anything that purrs. Uh, Purring is a big identifying factor for feline as well. It's a specific trait that only felines can do. Yep. But when we start looking at the domestication of cats... This is one of my favorite facts that I learned here recently. So we can find about 10,000 years ago, humans started to work on the domestication of cats. So the very first burial that we find with a cat and a human was about 9,500 years ago near Cyprus. This is actually about the time where we start really harvesting grain and storing it all together. And if you've ever lived on a farm or been near a silo of any kind where you're holding corn or you're holding grain, you will notice that that is where mice tend to congregate. 
And where there are mice and where there are barns, there are barn cats. Mm -hmm. So these smaller breeds of cats that are eating what is now the house mouse, they are gathering because that's where they're finding their food source. As we are finding them useful for eating the pests that are trying to eat our food, a couple of them get a little daring and get a little friendly. And then all these years later, now we have cat videos where they're wearing stupid hats. So (laughs) blame it on the first ones. And banging their paws on the pianos. (laughs) And banging their paws on the pianos. So it was about 3,000 years ago that the Egyptians sacrificing cats and had a cat goddess, Bastet. That's really when we started to see that they were actually breeding cats for specific features. So that's where the pedigree really starts with those. I think that is super fun and interesting to learn. I just really like cats. <laughs> I really want a kitty. Hashtag get Kaylee a kitty. Can we make that a thing? <laughs> Good luck. Oh, well. Anyway, we're seeing that this cactus cat has very similar traits to the earlier desert dwelling cats that we would have seen in Northern Africa in some of these areas that we're seeing the original cat domestication stories happening. Yeah, like, and, and the story and the story goes is that the cactus cat will mimic or try to gain entrance into a home. Yes. That actually inspired the story that we wrote for this episode was the mom was like, hey, did you let the cat in? The cat's out there yowling. And then the little boy goes out and then... Yes, he finds his cat, but he also finds a much larger, much scarier cat, too. They will try and trick you to get inside. Now, I don't I don't know what the end game would that be, um, but I'm assuming it's because they are just too drunk and they're like, I gotta get someone to the house, man. <laughs> I gotta eat mice. Now, I didn't put together until we were doing research for this that... There is a pop culture reference that I was familiar with, with Cactus Cat, and I just never put together. So I am a child of the 90s, and we loved all of our cartoons, Disney or no. And one of my brother's very favorite movies was Five Goes West. And I didn't put together that the gang of cats was called the Cactus Cat Gang, And now looking back, I'm like, dang, okay, because the cowboys and everybody's going west. And that really fits with the narrative that we're finding with these early claims. So that's the right time period. Everyone's traveling. And these are like the no good antagonists of the story are these these bad, bad cactus cats. Right, right. All right. So what what do we think it could be? I think... That these cowboys were probably sipping on their own fermented cactus, mezcal, as they were saying. Probably. And maybe it was just an ugly cat. Maybe it had mange. (laughs) Maybe it was just not very pretty. Yeah. um, There are speculations that it could be a porcupine. I did see that. And... You know, there is a North American porcupine, um, but it's also known as the Canadian porcupine. And I don't think that they live in that area. And then also possibly a puma of some sort, a very large cat. Now, what's crazy to me is that even if it was a case of 
mistaken identity of a porcupine or a a puma the story of how it how it's depicted has not changed and i love that about it yes it is very it's a very classic description and i wasn't familiar with cactus cat now i i feel like i need to say because i have a friend of ours on facebook has sent me several cryptids here recently like have you seen this do you know this one and i feel like i suddenly don't know anything about anything <laughs> i thought i was really familiar i thought i was like in and and knew like all these cool cryptids and all these cool stories i'm like yeah man i have no idea i've never seen that before i've never heard of that yeah i've heard of the cactus cat only because i i was living in california for a couple of years mm-hmm. and uh i see these pottery th- uh, things with you know you put your flowers and whatever and it's a cactus cat it's a cat oh and i had no idea what it what it was until like my second year living in california and then uh but i didn't know the complete story about it getting drunk or, or whatever i, I just <laughs> they just described it as just hey it's this mythical thing that some californians believe that there is a there's a an actual cactus cat around uh, the desert areas of California, which I was stationed at, mm-hmm. at 29 Palms, California. So I kind of knew about it, but this whole thing about what it did and how it lived, I absolutely love this this lore and, and uh, this this story around it. Um, I just want to, I just want to cuddle it. I just want to. I am in a Facebook group that pretty much could define my whole life. And it's called, I just know I'll die petting something I shouldn't. (laughs) And uh, shout out. But I really, I just want to pet this damn cat. It's not not even real, but I do. I just want to cuddle it and give it all the pats. And I'm sure it's the best boy when it's not yowling outside your house or tearing up your cacti or getting drunk. This is like the American koala. Oh yeah, 100%. So if you're not familiar with koalas, koalas get drunk of the ridiculous amount of eucalyptus that they eat. Yeah. And so they're constantly intoxicated. And so this just makes me think of like the dumb feline American version of a koala. Yeah. So Cactus Cat, I believe in you. I I know you're out there somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Which now brings us to rating this cryptid our system is five golden nessies so you have one being the worst and five being the absolute best uh what do you rate the cactus cat i'm gonna give the cactus cat a three and a half golden nessie okay now it's not quite as high as i think i was initially gonna go but in my gut, I just feel like, I think it's very cute. I think it's very simple. I think there's some good factual backing to it. But I think it kind of lacks some depth. I don't see people going out and like hunting for it and searching for it right now. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to stick it about a three and a half. If I, if anybody has some like super cool stuff that they want to throw at us later, then, you know, that could, that could, I could easily be persuaded to go up to a four. So f- three and a half golden Nessies. Okay. And what do you rate the cactus cat? Uh, four, four and a half out of five. Four and a half. That's yeah. high rating. Yeah. It falls in the realm of uh, someone took the time to give it a scientific name. 
the story hasn't changed the way it described they they give it social behaviors mating habits they get, were very thorough i i was very impressed with that it gets drunk and has kids <laughs> <laughs> um it, it's the cousin of the wampus uh, it also falls in line with other cryptids that I that I one hundred percent love, and I love the the way that they interact uh, socially because they're 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 mythical cats and their cats are cool. I just can't be around them. Um, so you're saying there's a chance? I, I mean, honestly, yeah, I love cats. I just cannot be around them. Okay. Um, so yeah, four out of five. Uh, four point oh four and a half out of five, and I. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you all again for joining us for this edition of 50 States of Terror. This has been California, the Golden State, the yep. Cactus Cat. This has been California, the Golden State, the Cactus Cat, which means up next is a state that is very dear to me. Colorado. The Centennial State. A very special shout out. Thank you to our sons for helping us out with this episode's cryptid encounter. Mm -hmm. It was a very fun thing for all of us to kind of get our hands into and kind of get to play around with sounds. Let us know what you think. If you like these stories that are a little more immersive, if you like some of our previous encounters more, we welcome your feedback. We are learning a little bit more each time we make an episode. Now we're at a really important turning point because a lot of young podcasts don't make it past six or seven episodes. Correct. This is about the time where a lot of people are either going to drop off or they're really going to kick it into high gear. And we want to kick it into high gear. We're learning a lot about editing, about how to really put this together and how to really make a functioning podcast. So we do have some announcements coming up on our next episode, but this is our time to really ask you if you could leave us a review on our Facebook or on the podcatcher that you're using. We just got our first five-star review on Apple. Yeah, I, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So exciting. It really is a validation for everything that we're putting into this. Um, this isn't something we're getting paid to do. This is something that we do together because it's fun. Yeah. But if we're going to get noticed, if we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to get through all 50 states, which is the goal is yeah. to do all 50, um, your help means so much. So if you could leave us a five-star review, um, tell your friends, tell your friends that could be your, your homework. Like we do our homework. Tell one person, like somebody that you would tag on Facebook, like OMG. So us <laughs> monster hunting, let's go. We all have that person, like share this with that person, share them your favorite episode. Um, or if y'all are driving together in your car and you're sick and tired of the same song playing every six <laughs> seconds, you know, pop this in if someone else hasn't listened to it. And like, oh, what is this? Well, it's a husband and wife team and they do research about cryptids and they're doing one for every state. You're like, no shit. No shit. It's cool. All right. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Do you need more 50 States of Terror? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. You can find us on Facebook, Patreon, and Instagram at 50 States of Terror. Now that's 50 States of Terror. And on Twitter at 50 States Terror without the of, you know, because of the character limit. <laughs> we'll see you there. Yeah, you will.
50 States of Terror is a Housecraft production. This episode was researched, written, and presented by Anthony and Kaylee Diaz. This episode was edited by Kaylee Diaz.